Welcome to the Inner Green Deal podcast. Will technology be a true accelerator of the green transition? In this episode, Liana is talking to Parham Fazili, a thought leader on technology. Parham is the global director for advanced safety and autonomous driving at a technology company. In addition, Parham is the global advisory board member to the United Nations on the topic of technology and innovation. And to complete the list, he was the former chair of the private sector and workplace charter of the British all-party parliamentary group on mindfulness. Liana asked Parham about the role of technology in the green transition and what mindset enables a helpful approach to technology given today's complex and interconnected economy. I encourage you to listen to Parham's responses as he talks about his own leadership journey and what helped him to broaden his perspective and be more effective as a leader. We are Lian Steven and Jeroen Jans and thank you for joining the Inner Green Deal podcast. So welcome Parham, very happy to have you here and that you are joining us. So how are you doing? Thank you very much, Liane. I'm uh, really excited to be here today with you and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thank you. So, Param, you are a senior leader in the automotive sector and very committed to technology development, especially the development of autonomous driving. And on top of all, you are also a member of the UN Advisory Council on Technology and Innovation. So that makes me very curious. What is your inspiration to be at the forefront of technology and innovation, in particular at autonomous driving? Yeah, so really I see technology for us as a vehicle. It's, it's really the means, not the end. So I like to see technology to be used to advance us going forward, um, reaching new goals, achieving, for example, the sustainable development goals using technology is, is really a way to accelerate the journey towards that. So that's my motivation to see how we can use technology to accelerate our development, to develop um, new solutions, make progress in certain areas. And that's really what it is. But at the same time, of course, I'm very excited about technology when we look at the relationships within the, the organizations we're having. So we can use also technology here um, to advance the way we collaborate, the way we work together. Um, so in many great ways, uh, I see technology being very central to the way um, we humans have to operate, but also the products and services uh, we are going to um, provide to our customers and stakeholders. Mm. Oh, thank you. Interesting. So that seems to be a very broad view on technology development. And where do you think the development of the new mobility concepts is right now? And what does it take to drive it forward, actually? So uh, the, the mobility sector, automotive uh, in general, is, is of course a, a large domain. It is supporting mm. millions of jobs um, uh, globally, and it's also contributing a lot to the economy. But at the same time, there are certain challenges which um, uh, yeah, this sector, this industry brings with it. That's normal. Every sector does that. Um, in particular, of course, the products and services which the sector is offering um, are, of course, in a position where they can cause uh, environmental challenges and, and mm -hmm, problems. Mm -hmm. This is really where um, we are all in the industry, and I like to believe every organization is really committed to work towards it. Mm -hmm. And uh, autonomous driving is one area which uh, can support this concern. 
Uh, it's of course not only about getting people from A to B. It's also about the customer experience. Um, it is about the way that we bring people from A to B safely, right? It is also, however, about the way that we bring people from A to B um, by being uh, very environmental friendly. So the green aspect is very important. Mm. Um, so that's really where I'm seeing now the trends going, that organizations are working on the sustainability aspect, both from the operational point of view, but also in the way they're offering and providing mm. the, the products and services. Mm. And the second thing I'm very curious to hear about your projects at the UN um, Advisory Board that you are a member of, and what projects are you involved in and how do they relate to the shift that we urgently actually need to support a life-sustaining environment? So the engagement with the, with the UN is actually a very exciting one. And, and I have to say, um, it started very much looking at it again from technology and innovation point of view. So the UN obviously is very engaged in that area, is uh, not just trying to harmonize how technology is being used across the UN and the member states, but is also actively pushing the technology and the knowledge about technology, the learning about technology um, into the member states to also help organizations and, and people and demographics to flourish. So it should not mm. only be, you know, technology for the sake of technology, but it should really have a cause. So one side is, of course, to make sure that we introduce new innovative ideas to achieve the sustainable development goals faster. Mm -hmm. So this is about how to use machine learning, artificial intelligence, things like blockchain, um, to make sure that we achieve the sustainable development goals. But at the same time, it should also help people to flourish, create new jobs, new opportunities, um, improve certain processes um, uh, within organizations, the member states. So all of this comes together and that makes it really, really interesting to, to support that great organization. Um, here, one effort which really stands out for me is, for example, the, the um, uh, Reboot Accelerator, which the UN has started. And here they are creating um, or initiating hackathons across the globe where people have to come up with some ideas, of course, technology-driven, software, um, hardware um, solutions, which are then working towards the sustainable development goals. And they can be anything from process improvements to even uh, technologies which are then being rolled out across the member states into the field. And that's very exciting because you get the youth engaged, you get the member states engaged, you get the government engaged, and, of course, the corporate partners engaged um, to come up with great ideas. Hmm. So when I see that we are facing a pandemic right now that challenges us quite a lot, uh, but there are other challenges to come, you know, like the climate crisis. So are you really convinced that um, technology actually will prevent an environmental, economical and even a societal um, collapse? How does that, you know, link to each other? So... As I said in the beginning, technology for me is, is really just a means. It's a vehicle we have to use. With that transformation comes, of course, also the human being, right? The, the people. They're going through the process of change. They have to accept the fact that they have to change. And they put the right steps in place to achieve that change. So we have to use technology on one side to educate people, to reach people. So, so for example, through dig digitalization, the communication, the way we use technology to, to um, drive messages through um, even rural areas or people who do not have access you know, to the latest, greatest uh, news. 
uh, in the web. So, so the way we communicate with people is something which, which technology can help us with and make sure we educate everybody. At the same time, using technology, however, to, to educate us as senior leaders as well, you know, providing us the right data, analytics, the dashboards um, is another great way of using technology. And then finally, of course, we can use technology to just improve the products and services we're offering to make them more sustainable. Um, to make sure we are, we are, you know, utilizing our resources better. These are all the ways where I see technology can help us um, instead of hindering us. But will technology be the only solution to achieve that? Of course not. Yeah, mm. We have to really mm. think about this very broadly. This is about total life cycle sustainability, which means you have to think about products and services end to end. Therefore, you have to think across the value chain. It becomes multidisciplinary, it becomes cross-functional, and it really becomes a challenge for society, governments, organizations altogether. Hmm. So um, I just needed to smile a little bit because I was thinking about the current IPCC uh, report, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They assume that uh, we will meet our emission targets by deploying technology to suck CO2 out of the air. And first of all, this technology is not fully proven yet. Uh, second of all, not deployed and scaled at any meaningful level. So what dangers or what gains do you see if we as human beings rely completely on technology, thinking that this will save us? Um, so what do you see there? How do you see that You know, kind of idea that technology actually helps us and we can just you know, continue with our... Um, usual habits? Great question. So I see really the challenge more in the way we approach the problem because technology doesn't just appear. Technology goes through stages. There is something called technology readiness levels where you start with an idea and that idea has to mature over time all the way up to the levels nine which is basically proven in field so that is running, right, operating. But through these stages we have to just appreciate that Technology, different types of technologies have a different life cycle. Different stages of maturity take longer or, you know, shorter period of time to, to get there. What I mean with that is we, we need to also allow technology to mature and we have to allow the ecosystem around it to be established as well. So take the example of an electric car. It's not just good enough to put an electric car into a city because you have to think about the whole infrastructure which comes with that, right? The charging, the batteries, the insurances, all these kind of things have to adapt and change to meet the, the purpose of the product ultimately, which is, you know, to make things better for us in terms of environmental and pollution, right? But that journey is not only for that particular product, but has to look at the ecosystem. And I think we always mistake when we look at technology that we just look at technology in isolation but we have to look at the ecosystem which is supporting that technology so everybody has to play a role here and that's i think something we're missing at the same time i believe that we have to adopt the attitude of fail fast meaning we have to start just get these ideas out there test them see if it works it doesn't work if it doesn't work quite frankly we have to change our attitude What I see a lot as well is that, of course, we are trying to bring technology in. It's our idea. It's a great thing to do. And then we fall in love with it. And then we really start fighting for it. Although 
we are keep forgetting the the larger goal we're trying to serve right the purpose of this mm. therefore i see some opportunities here where we could really think about for example cross-functional cross-industry collaboration where we take something from another industry which works well and introduce it somewhere else where it could be reused maybe achieving the goals faster if we do these two things think about the ecosystem how do we bring all stakeholders at the table and have this attitude of fail fast then i think we we can really leverage technology for us to achieve the sustainable development goals faster so i i'd really like to challenge you a bit um so there there's this level of the technological development that might help us but what is about the human being i mean do we also need to learn something or change our habits or is it just technology that will save us and help us so you know that i've been on this journey of um, you know finding the right leadership approach strategy but also having my, my personal growth and development um, looked after at the same time using for example things like mindfulness and always people ask me well you know you, you're doing all this stuff with these autonomous cars and and software and, and AI. So, so why are you also engaging in this whole mindfulness journey and, and think about the leadership in a different way? And really for me, these go hand in hand. We cannot just look at solutions, products and services in isolation and then think that, well, the whole operation of an organization, the, the, the way we, we kind of work with each other and society will kind of sort out itself. That doesn't work. So what we got to do, we have to help leaders to get to the right mental and cognitive capabilities and to the right level of engagement. So that will then help us also to accelerate the development of solutions. So give you an example. If we really manage to make sure that people are more or leaders are more present and starting to really engage in conversations, and are open-minded, therefore more creative, more innovative, then we are really have a much greater chance for people to identify opportunities than people just seeing problems. So just, just as an example here, you could think about a, a product or service which would be greatly positioned in a certain area to solve a problem. But if I'm not open-minded to see that opportunity, if I can't connect the dots, because either I am under pressure, I'm stressed, or I'm just not in the mood to engage, then this is what is the problem that we will miss opportunities a lot as leaders. I see that a lot going on. Now, at the same time, I see that every change comes from the human being. So change doesn't appear because you put a new process or a new tool in front of somebody and say, hey, there you go. You can now work much faster and much better. That doesn't work. You also have to make sure you take the human component with you and make sure that people are engaged. They understand what they have to do. They understand the why. And they also understand that they play a crucial part in transformation of the industry, of society. Mm. So for me, really, the, the leadership component on one side, but also the, the human uh, on the other side play a mm -hmm. great role in making sure that we use technology for our advantage rather than that technology is using us and making us more diffuse, more fragmented mm -hmm. um, uh, during the day. Mm. So you just mentioned the transformation of industry. So how do you see the industry in general responding to climate crisis? So as you know, the, the automotive industry is probably one of the 
industries which is the hardest hit by what we call the mega trends. So going through a large transformation and transition now for, for several years, driven by two areas really. So we have kind of the, the hard mega trends, which is about automation, computation, things like um, electrification and, and connectivity. So these are kind of the hardest things you can grasp, you can look at, you can see, okay, this is where the t- trend are going and this is why. But then you have also some softer trends, things like urbanization, things like a new generation of people growing up who are now in a position to make big purchasing decisions, Generation Y, for example. So these are some challenges which really drive a lot of change into into not only the automotive industry, but a lot of the colleagues I speak in other industries, in you know, healthcare and insurance, um, in education, they, they're expressing the same challenges. Now, here really I see that we as a sector have on one side done a great deal of putting the right things in place. Of course, it doesn't work overnight. So you have to, again, take the human aspect as well, the technology, the processes and tools into account. So they all have to move at the same pace. But at the same time, I think that the, the governments and the society have to also create an environment where the industries and the sectors can truly understand and, and work with the trends and work with and for society so that we all support each other to truly set the bar, set the requirements, set the needs, set the urgency as well. And mm-hmm. here I see a mixed message because on one side, people want something. On the other side, industry wants to provide a service and a product and finding the right sweet spot with the sustainable development goals in mind and climate change in mind is really what we got to do. So we have to, again, sit all together on the table not only talk, but come up with some very tangible um, uh, approaches which we are taking, targets which we are taking, which are also achievable. And that's mm-hmm. really what I, what I think we mm-hmm. got to do. And there is a great deal of that already ongoing. Um, early this year in January, I was in Davos at the World Economic Forum, where really I felt for the first time that not only the expectations were set, but also the targets were clearly set and also the commitment came from industry. Now, obviously, we had then shortly after that the the pandemic starting, so things got a bit delayed. But nevertheless, I think the urgency didn't get delayed. Um, In fact, the urgency is is even increasing and accelerating the pace with with Mm. which we have to move. Mm -hmm. So about that commitment, I mean, I hear that many companies now claim that they are already carbon neutral um, when it comes to manufacturing, at least in Europe. Um, Is that from your point of view, really a first step in the right direction? Or do you say it's just kind of a makeup? So organizations, of course, have to deal not only with, with, with the legislation and rules and regulations which come out on certain subjects such as climate and CO2, but they also have to deal on one side, of course, with the fact that they have to run a business. They have to make sure that the lights keep on, that they you know, can pay their employees the salaries. So there is a certain operational need, which is continuing at the same time as trying to change the sector. And we cannot just look at one organization because, again, it's a value chain, mm. right? You have to look at it from a life cycle sustainability point of view and you have to understand that creating product doesn't mean that i only do the great things but i also have to make sure that 
my suppliers and my partners in the supply chain do also the right things. So it's more complicated than just looking at one organization and then trying to judge that organization because organizations have to do more and they're already trying to do more um, in that regard. So there is a lot of um, engagement ongoing, which again, I also experienced in, in, in Davos this year, where I really saw not only the commitment from an individual organization, but the, the approach of organizations to take others with them. Because only then we can claim that our product is serving the, the sustainable development goals and the climate action uh, goals. So, so do you think the industry will be the accelerator for green transition or more the break? altogether when we look at it do they take over really the responsibility to be the ones who really push the green transition forward or do you have a different view on on that industry and the leaders within industry absolutely have a responsibility to drive the agenda forward of course again is multiple stakeholders are at the table so everybody has to do their bit but At the same time, looking at myself as an industry leader, I have to make sure that the products and services I'm offering, they're meeting the requirements, they're serving the sustainable development goals, they are starting um, to, to offer new or different approaches to engage with our products mm. and services. That is my responsibility, that I can do. And at the same time, I can motivate others through some activities and engagements with NGOs, governmental organizations to also do the right thing. So I see industry leaders really in a position to not only change their own organization and what they have to do to offer better products and services, but at the same time help than others to achieve the same goals, strive for the same goals. And I see it very much to be a business problem because now business people have to step up. We have to look at the problem And we have to solve this problem from a business point of view because it has to make also economical sense. Otherwise, we have great technology, we have some great ideas, we have a lot of young people now shouting for change. But if we do not meet the sweet spot so that the economy supports this transition, then we have missed the point and we will not be able to do the transition because you have multiple forces fighting each other. On one side, technology, innovation, advancement. On the other side, the economy. On the other side, society. They have to play together so that we come up with solutions faster mm -hmm. and better. Mm. And uh, thank you so much uh, for this view. And, and you already mentioned the crucial role of the leaders. And since you are a senior leader, um, I would like to ask you, which skills do you think will a leader of the future have to master um, in order to be able to deal with the complexity, the acceleration of technological, uh, technological development, and also with those planetary challenges. So what are the skills do you think uh, the leader of the future really needs? So absolutely, I see topics such as emotional intelligence, self-discipline, the ability to really understand how you impact the environment around you as an absolute critical aspect. So here, the ability for you to understand your cognitive and mental capabilities and really use them for societal advantage is crucial for me. But at the same time, I see that leaders have to gain critical thinking and problem-solving skills. It's, it's really, really top on the list. 
they have to understand system thinking, system intelligence, collective intelligence. So they have to understand that you don't just solve a problem by, you know, changing the screw here or changing that screw over there. You have to look at problems as a system holistically. So apply holism and then reductionism. So that is a critical skill I see people have to gain. Then going a little bit deeper down, I really think that leaders must engage in understanding technology, such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, understand what, you know, computation can provide us in terms of enhancements in the way we operate. So, so technology is really something which I think people talk about a lot, but it's, you know, I see very little leaders really understanding how they can then use this for their own advantage in the organization, but also for the advantage of society. So that's kind of a third element I see doing. And then last but not least, of course, the ability to connect people together, mm -hmm. connect stakeholders together, connect diverse views together is something which I think leaders have to work on. Mm. We cannot afford anymore in a world where products and services are more and more interconnected and, and you know, complex that people just think about their own box and don't think about things around it because then we are missing out on the emerging properties, we are missing out on cause and effect and we will cause many, many more problems than if we would have just left things alone and we would have continued mm. as we are mm. at the moment. Mm. So, Parm, I mean, the question now I have is, how did you learn about that kind of leadership, serving people on one hand, but also the greater good and technology development? So how did you learn that in your life? I mean, there is still a lot more I have to learn in, in that regard. So, so that's uh, without question. But I think for me, it was always important that I apply a, a holistic view of the problem. So I don't just try to solve um a problem by its own, but to try to understand why is this appearing and, and why do we need to find a solution for this problem? Is this really a problem in the first place or is it something else where we really have to address and look? That was always something which sparked my curiosity. And then I really observed um, good leaders and bad leaders and I tried to t pick the best out of it for myself and uh, engage with a lot of great minds and great people to make sure that I somehow mix and match the right leadership style which I hope I can bring day to day to the table. <laughs> so thank you so much, Parham. And um, do you have any one advice that you like to share um, with our audience? So the advice I would have looking at the, the leaders and you know the emerging leaders in, in organizations and in society is do not just think about your own uh, area of concern. Try to look beyond that. Try to help other industries, other people, other domains to learn and grow and be open-minded to also learn from other people. I think that is a fundamental skill I see um, which can really strive not only the individual leaders but also society as a whole. So thank you so much, Parham, uh, for the time you spent with us and your insights. And uh, I wish you the very best and hope to see you soon again. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. When we think about Palm's podcast and to what extent industry supports or rather slows down a green transition, I'm struck by Palm's positive mindset and his ability to see connections where others see perhaps opposition. 
His main message is, we must stop looking for isolated solutions. If we want a green transition, we have to think in terms of ecosystems. Society, economy, industry and politics cannot be viewed separately. If we hold on to solutions that perhaps work in isolation, but not for society as a whole, then we undermine that bigger whole and we won't be innovative enough to tackle all the challenges ahead. This requires leaders to have an open mind and a wider perspective. Leaders must be willing to question old patterns and discover new pathways. Palm talked about his own leadership journey and how mindfulness helped him to grow, see things more clearly and helped him interact and work with others. Let's hope more leaders follow his example and continue to develop themselves and cultivate that wider perspective. This leads directly to our next guest, Fernando Garcia, former director of well-being at the European Commission and now active in the transition network in Belgium and Spain. Fernando shares the latest scientific insights and questions whether one should focus on green growth in the first place and rather prioritize resilience and inner growth as we prepare for major disruptions ahead and other rich conversation. So, subscribe to the Inner Green Deal podcast and continue to hear about the struggles, the insights and the inspiration of those on the front line of climate action. Thank you for listening and... Take care.